The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, now that was a really good one. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome it's to the Winemakers. John Myers with my really good friend, Sam Katuri, Sandra Bernstein, and, of course, Brian Casey and Garrett from West Tours. How you doing, brother? Good, good. Yeah, thanks excellent. So on. good to see you on another, well, it's not an atmospheric river. No, this is just a, a rainstorm. This it's is just good old nice, really winter. good. And thank God yeah. we're not in Chicago because, well, <laughs> it's actually warmer in Chicago today. Than it, well, than it is here. No, I'm not really? kidding. I just talked to him. It's 55 degrees there. It was 45 when I came <laughs> over this morning. So, And we are at the Rhone Room, and we are talking about tours today. And The Rhone Room. I was, since we have Sandra here, do, do we want to call this the Rhone Room, or do we want to call this the Girl in the Fig Farm? What do we... I think we should call it the Girl in the Fig podcasting room. It's, it is. Sandra's, I like it. Sandra's she shed. Isn't that what they call these things now? This is, it's not a man cave. It's a she shed. I like it better than the uh, typical man Anybody cave. Anybody that wants to rent a space. Yeah. yeah. Why don't we just permanently just rent Just make it? this yeah, wine. I mean, and keep the wine. As long as Ed's going to pay the rent, I'm not paying Ed, the rent. Ed is coming out in March, by the way. Okay, so, good. Yeah. Early March. Anyhow, at that point, uh, we got a lot to talk about this morning. And so we were just in a very um, exciting and energetic conversation about wine tours and wineries. And Sam and Garrett, why don't you guys knock yourself out and start up? Well, Maybe we'll do a little Garrett intro. um, I've known Garrett since middle school i think we've decided maybe soccer maybe yeah. riding the bus to justin sienna a catholic high school that neither of us graduated from <laughs> uh and and we were friends but um you know he left in high school and i didn't see garrett for like 10 years we ran into him at the bar at the girl in the fig actually when his wife was pregnant see now that's a really um, good thing everybody runs into everybody at the girl in the fig after after <laughs> literally not seeing him for 10 years and i think it was like film festival weekend and it was jammed and everybody in there was like eh, a little bit on the film festival side which maybe aren't always the best people to hang out with love you sonoma <laughs> international film festival um and fortunately we sat next to two people who didn't suck <laughs> at the bar and that was garrett and nicole and and <laughs> sort of you know about a year later garrett comes into 16600 and he had started west wine tours uh, where they take people around uh, Napa and Sonoma, Russian River, all over um, in vintage VW buses, um, which is cool. And very they're, cool. They're very Especially cool. When they're beautiful. You see them. They yeah. are really nice. Um, and and it was like summertime, 2017. And it was getting hot, and he was 
Garrett serves lunch. He's a chef. And he serves lunch to his crew, you know, the, the guests on his bus. And he was serving lunch outside, and it wasn't working. And I was kind of, like, slow on the uptake. He's like, well, when we need somewhere to eat lunch. I was like, great. When it starts raining, come by. He's like, no, no, we're, we're coming <laughs> it's tomorrow. It's 107. <laughs> it's 107. <laughs> we're coming tomorrow. And we're going to come every day for the rest of your life with this group of people on the bus. Um, and, you know, frankly, it's been a, a great thing for 16600. And um, the... Passengers on these VW buses um, sort of span lots of demographics and age ranges, and they're from all over the world and all over the country. Um, I've met some really nice people from that tour. Well, you know, and frankly, if you were willing to spend money to ride in a VW bus as opposed to like a Sprinter van or something like a limousine, you're probably already predisposed to vibe with the 16600 image i would agree um, so it's been it's been awesome but um i don't so see sort any, of the i don't the, see any signs at the at the wineries saying no vw bus right. so no, i do see no limos no, limo, no buses, no limos, no buses. <laughs> stay the hell out they do park in the deadhead only parking spot see, in the tasting really room every positive, day um, <laughs> but the conversation that we were having as we decided maybe we should just start recording instead of talking about this without the microphones on um garrett in the last two years has had five thousand people um through those buses and Holy through cow, that's incredible all the different wineries wow. um and has learned a lot about what where you know who the customers are what they're looking for and um how the wineries by and large sort of fail to deliver that well it sounds like what they're not looking for was a big part of it too right yeah right yeah, I think it's been... Hey, Gary, get right up in that yeah, okay. microphone. Hey, Gary. Um, sorry, guys. Um, it's it, what I, I I wrote Sam, I, what he called the six-page rant. Um, it's, a a it's a manifesto. A manifesto. Like, a few a days ago. like the Unabomber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, I wanted to go at it in a standpoint like I was reporting. Because we talked to all, every single one of these people after the tour. And we go from, how could we do it better? Um, what would you like to see when you come back? And um, what was your favorite winery? Why? Um, we do all these follow-up questions, but basically there's been just consistencies through every single group and what they, what, how wineries kind of fell short. Um, and I put all those down. And I think lots of, there's, there's different, there's different, kind of categories of it you know one is just as simple as like let people see your winery um i know that sounds really simple but no one does it you go to plenty of wineries and you crowd into a tasting room you have beautiful caves and beautiful wine you know, wine areas and and um and you know where all the wines being made and no one ever sees it ever and or the vineyards like all people want to do when they come here is do something different they want to get their hands dirty they want to walk through a vine people have been i'll get them on their third day and they have not been in the vineyards not once and it just blows me away they've been to 12 wineries and you haven't walked you haven't been in between a row of vines um you haven't been in a barrel room you haven't done that's that's pretty wild and the places that, and there's, there's other things that, you know, I'm just kind of like, know who you're talking to when there's the stump speech is the biggest thing that we hear at every single winery that we go to. It's, it's, hi, how are you guys? Um, where are you from? 
and everyone's been asked that 12 times already. And they say by that time, by the third one, they just go, oh, we're from everywhere. Like, they don't even want to talk about where they're from anymore. And um, then they go on to this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. And this is why the grapes are the best. And this is why we were here first. And this is and it's just and I just see it in people's faces. They just check out. And what I would like to see is that there has to be some sort of authenticity to, hey, why are you guys here? Um, are you guys big wine? Are you guys big wine people? Um, is this your first time in the wine country? Do you want to learn anything in particular? What is you, what have you done so far? Have you had someone do tell you about barrels for an hour and a half and why you know why they use for new French oak every single time? Because we do that too, but I'm not going to bore you with that again. And they're just the catering to specific groups of pe- like to specific groups everywhere is is isn't done. So everyone feels I think a lot of the time unless people are doing it differently that they get the same exact experience everywhere they go and I start hearing and this is sort of what I was talking to Sam about I I start hearing you start hearing about this kind of like mystique of other wine regions like you know people like just love Paso you know Paso 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 and and there's a trip that 11 girls that we're on and you know they're at the end of it like I think we're going to go down to Paso next and I'm going no 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 like you guys there's another 390 wineries here like please come back here but there is I feel like there's there's this like kind of mystique that's gone in that everyone knows here and they get this very traditional approach to no one's really doing anything different and that scares me I mean I as Sam said grew up in Sonoma and one of the one of the things is like I, I feel like our history is extremely important but it's things do need to change to keep this wine region alive. Like I was just in Disneyland last Monday and I looked around, I'm like, Disneyland has different rides <laughs> than when they opened. Crazy. I know. Isn't that wild? But I'm like, thought about Sonoma. I'm like, Sonoma needs different rides because people have been on that ride a million times already. And for the return, is, that's It is a small important. world after all. Yeah, it is a small world well, after and all. The piece of this that kind of ties into the, there's, and I don't know how many people out there read wine industry trade stuff, but um, really for the last two months, there's been a lot of hand wringing and and worry in the wine industry that um, you know 2019 is going to be a, a down year. It's going to be hard, especially for small wineries, and and it all ties to uh, the the sort of vaunted mysterious millennial whatever that means um and that the millennials aren't buying enough wine they're they're not um drinking as much if they do drink it's it's like alcoholic seltzer water is apparently really like hot right now sort of Lacroix with actual booze in it um which just sounds foul um and what and so this, there was an article that landed this weekend right after, uh, you know, I read, read Garrett's report, uh, man, book report, manifesto, uh, treatise, <laughs> <Yeah>. treatise, <laughs> uh, and, and what the, this article is, is blog, uh, William Blake Gray, W. Blake Gray, uh, was talking about was that, um, you know, the wineries aren't listening to what quote unquote millennials want. Um, and and as California sort of ramps up in what they called the the big three, uh, planting more Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and and Cabernet, um, people are millennials. Quote millennials are 
tending towards more interesting varieties. And as wineries get gobbled up and conglomerated, people are looking for more authentic, you know, real family-owned experiences. And sort of on and on. And as I was reading through this and, and reading through what Garrett said, um, you know, maybe by accident, maybe I'm just such a genius, uh, 16600 does a lot of these things. I mean, it's kind of, we didn't have a lot of choices, um, you know, and, and we also love the Rones. Um, and the fact is, it's not just millennials who are looking for those things. When people walk in our door and the varieties that we're growing are suited for the sites that we're growing them, that's why we have them there. Even if it's Chardonnay or, or Cabernet, it's from a place that's perfect for it, um, you know, our experience is, is authentic because uh, it's, you know, me and Paul and Jasmine, who's, you know, as about as Ronan expert as you get for somebody who's, you know, not yet 30, um, that we're, we're delivering that sort of by accident. Um, so I, I, that's the this. And then sort of that ties into what Garrett was saying, because Garrett broke down one of the things that I liked the most about your, your thing. And we'll put this out into the world so people can find it. Um, you broke down sort of like five main categories of customers of, right. of guests on your buses yep. and maybe two of those five categories are actually millennials yeah and and so it's not you know it's not a huge part of your business it's not a huge part of any of our businesses but the things that you say people are missing they're missing in all these categories it's not just the millennials that they're missing right. so that that was where all of this is sort of going in my mind is you know, we all should do better. And it's not just because um, we'll sell more wine. That's always the goal. But, you know, farming better, growing the right varieties, making the wine with uh, intent, not just uh, according to an accountant and a focus group. Um, gee, wow, you'll do better. It's like, I don't know. It seems like such no-brainers to me, but I guess people but don't do it. How, how did the the industry get it so wrong because two years ago it was all about millennials and how we're going to target them because that's going to be our next, you know, Brian, I know it's interesting. And I, when I look at the tours, my, what our 50% of our tours is what I call the vacationing new parent. Such an interesting category. This, category. this, the vacationing new parent is our biggest buyer. It's our biggest, it's it. People are, people have gotten so one track minded about social media followings and the millennials definitely. And I say the vacation new parent has 100 to 300 followers. Um, their word of mouth is uh, 10 times more valuable than the followers of 1000 to 3,500. And like I say with the millennials, I'm like the millennials only attract their own. And that group is here to check a box. Their trip is curated off incredible photos. And it's, it's no, it's not saying that they're, they're not going to have an amazing time or not enjoying themselves, but it's definitely that, that vacation, that 28 to 37 year old vacationing new parent that goes back home and tells all six of their neighbors a hundred percent of the time, their six neighbors come and they come here and they bind wine and they join wine clubs. And that's the group. And it's, it's, this millennial thing has got so hot. Like this is, oh, this is what we need. This is the future of it. Eh, well, I mean, that's that's a that's a slippery slope when you start really getting blinded by followers, 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 and oh, this reach is huge and this spread. 
that the 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 money coming from that is is nowhere near right it's an empty bucket absolutely you know what but you talk about being authentic too i think that's sort of bleeding into all aspects of the service industry the other day i can tell you we were at a pre-shift meeting and the um one of the um beverage directors came in and and said um take off your name tags Oh, thank God. And we were like, what? She said, take <laughs> off your name tags. You don't need them anymore. How are we going to know who you are, Brian, <laughs> if you don't have your name tag on? Didn't you just order a new name tag? <laughs> I did. Gold-plated? So obviously not paying for that. But even at high-end places where you think of, you know, Michelin star rated places or whatever, they're starting to, the conversation is turning not to hitting these certain standards. The food has to be down in two minutes and you have to you check on the temperature of the meat. It's It's talking about genuineness and your conversation about being being professional but friendly and courteous and real and honest and genuine. And that's that's sort of where the new conversation is going in the service industry. My question is, when did when was it not cool to be genuine? Like, when was not being real? Like, when was that like, you know what? We need to pretend you know, we aren't who we are because otherwise nobody's going to like Sam, us or buy our shit. A part of it I, is their own fault because... What we get are these reports. We have things like shoppers. Um, right. We call them LQA at the Fairmont. So it's people that come in and rate their entire experience and you get a score. And then all of the managers, I'm sure their bonuses are somehow related to the score that they're getting. And so if you're not hitting these marks, but what that does, it turns you into a robotic server because you know that you have to hit all these specific marks along the way and there's no room for you to be genuine. Um, Absolutely, but that's uh, but that also is I think like probably the old guard of dining, you know. Right. I mean, and, this and is of wine, frankly, and of wine. Yeah. I, I, well, when does the old guard give up and move on? I mean, it seems like it's happening I, now. Yeah, I think it, uh, I think that there's always a spot for it. I mean, uh, that it's just there has to be there has to be like a catered experience for people that don't want that, I guess, you know, and if people are going to surround who, whoever you're targeting, oh, let them head up to um, my know, feeling, a couple yeah. million cases a year. But you know what it reminds me of is the, the it's yeah. like the quarterly reports in business. Like that's when capitalism started going to shit is when you get these quarterly reports and everyone's financial gain is based on those quarterly reports. So every three months you have to somehow, there's no long-term thinking. It's right. thinking in three-month periods of how we can make more money so that I can make more money. You know, Brian, for uh, Kellogg's, everything we did, every press release, every ad, everything had to be passed by a Wall Street analyst yeah. first. Is it, what's this going to do? How much does it cost? Screw it. We're not doing it. Yeah. Okay. It's all, all okay. But in that way, it's like using focus groups to create your wine and do and and your experience you're not getting the right thing you're listening to the analysts instead of the people right. it really could be that sort of wall street mbaization of wine because uh, you know you tried to do quarterly reports on your winery um you'll you'll kill accountants with heart attacks uh because you know we're it's the ultimate sort of long play industry, right? You know, I, I put out X for grapes in, you know, the fall of 2018. Most of those wines you're not going to see until 2021, 2022. You know, that's there's a four-year lead from when you 
pay for the grapes to when you actually start selling the wine. And and I see it happen all the time where, you know, these MBAs come into the wine business or they've been in tech or they've been in finance where things happen really fa- fast and quarterly reports actually have value or meaning. And, you know, they get terrified and, and they get really impatient, really impatient with, with being in the wine industry because, you know, it's a it's a 10 year plus um not slog it's a, it's a journey it's it's figuring out your vineyards and your winemaking and and your sales sort of strategies and what your tasting room is like um, you can't I, I don't know I, I don't know how you could do that in a lab you know in a in a TPS report in a meeting where I don't even know what TPS stands for. Office space. I was just office Office space, space, right? Um, No one does. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's there's just no way. Uh, You know, I wouldn't know how to sell wine without us without our story. Um, I I feel I admire people who figure it out without uh, authenticity. I don't know how you do it. But the elephant in the room, though, is is the money, right? I mean, if because you were saying. You know, the people that you're talking to, are they spending a lot of money? No. Are, but are you looking for people to spend a little bit of money over a long period of time? Or are you looking for them to come and drop a grand and buy two, three cases at a time? I mean, those are the who is it that you want in your tasting room? Yeah, it's um, well, I mean, we've done in the last couple of years, year and a half. We have seen this in right. 16600 and um, who's doing what? you know, and it's like, there is, there's the, the, what I call the vacation new parent who will join three wine VPNs. clubs. He got like, he had like With the three wine clubs, acronyms and stuff. It's very entire trip and it'll yeah. be one a day. We call and them baby moon at the, it's like a new thing. But people, it's, the, right. it's the opposite people of the baby, baby moon because I just did a baby moon. The baby moon is before oh, the is baby that before? comes. The, okay. the vacation new parents is that kids are finally old enough to like leave with the grandparents for uh, okay. four or five days. Right. This is their go, first like yeah. real like bit. They're going to go out, maybe get a little wild, but they also have like, they, they've just, this is their first big trip. And they've heard about it from their call friend. mom and dad real, real often too. I'm sure. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's like FaceTiming the kids, you know, having peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at grandma's house while yeah. they're eating, uh, you know, this gourmet salad that Garrett put together and <laughs> <Exactly>. drinking <laughs> Valorasi homage. You know, you know, it's it, you kind of you kind of uh, we we obviously bring everyone there. right. Um, the other group is that uh, the the young women professionals. Mm. That's there the the five or six of them. Like I'm like this is normally comprised of two doctors, one attorney, one CPA, and like one of their like really goofy friends that they just love to have around. She still vapes. That's what's better thing. She still vapes and hasn't gotten her life together. <laughs> that was deep, deep but, in Garrett's but report. That's, but that's an amazing group, and that's different than your bachelorette party. This is the everyone's off, and they're uh, and this is the like the the successful women's trip that they all met in college, and they're still friends, and they're all doing the. And that's a wonderful group. That's a big money wine club group. That's something that I'll see them sh- sign up at every place all day, like just because they can. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it it kind of shocks me the places that people do or don't join as well. Like I say during the, my tours all the time, and. I'm like, you know, I'm like Sonoma and Napa are interesting. There was, I don't know but where the turning of the tides were. If we're supposed to thank them for them letting us drink their wine or they're supposed to thank us for having us come into the winery. 
And there is so much of that. People are trying to figure this out the entire time. And I think that Sam's is our most successful place by far. And the reason it is, is because we set it up with the exact truth that I grew up with Sam since we were yay high. I'm still yay high. And Sam's still yay high. And, um, and you, like I say, like you, you just become like a fabric of the community when you walk in that door. And that sort of, that personal connection is what people talk about. People do not talk about certain wines that they had during the day. They talk about every single person in the van talks about the person that served them the wine. And the wines are a blanket statement. That's they were good. They were, they, you know, they're, they're to, to this, to that, to this. But the one thing that they will talk about is the characters that they met along the way. That's it. Yeah. And that's what the people fall in love with. And that's what people will fall in love with this town or not. Is that the characters that they meet along the way in Napa and Sonoma, that's what they remember about the trip. This actually, you know, um, truth be told, I work for another tour company. But we do psalm tours, so you have a psalm that takes you on the tour. And th- there was a specific tour I did a couple months ago where the first stop was at um, um, Anadella State. So I don't, you guys know Abby, um, and you're in her barn with vintage Harley Davidson motorcycles. She comes out of the house with a basket, you know, with a little linen in it with some wines in it, and you do the whole tasting. And she's talking about how you know different recipes that she makes and all this stuff. These two ladies that I had bought. I think six or seven cases joined the wine club next stop be wise. I, which I love the wines from be wise. There was no connection to the person that was selling the wine. And so it was an immediate kind of like taste the wine. Let's get out. Yep. Then went to Petroni, which I also love the wines, but sometimes it's a matter of the person that they're paired up with. It was, there was, I love most of the people there. It just happened to where, personalities didn't mesh with these two ladies with the person that they put us on the tour with and they sort of went to me and said what should we do what should we buy because they weren't connecting at all with that person on a on a personal level right and that's i I mean you see i can imagine that's what you're talking about is completely yeah and and you know i i it it does not matter how good or how good the wine is if you're if you do not connect with that person you will never buy yeah I was amazed. I mean, I'd be buying a ton of wine at BYs and Petroni. They're buying a story. And then the whole day, all they talked about was Abby and and how great that tour was. But Mm -hmm. mostly it was about her. Yeah. Do you consider it a success if you have somebody out there on a tour and they remember one? I mean, actually being the memorable one is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, okay, so you go to a couple, but I think that's average. You don't get turned on by everything, but you do by by the people. And it sounds like you're pretty accurate. Um, what do people, why do people call you? Versus like Nick Brown's old thing right. with uh, open air Jeep doors. Yeah, I, I think a, a huge part of our marketing is that, um, that we're local and we have locals take you around. And when, um, and I, the, the VW bus is clickbait. I mean, I, it's fun. It's I, fun. when I see your exactly. website, I think, man, that's going to be fun. And you see the vans driving through town and right. you know, they're like, they're, they're unmistakable. They're unmistakable. 
Yeah. And what years are those? Uh, I have a 68, a 69, and a 79, and I'm getting a 72. Because they look a lot better than my old 59, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was, believe me, a rolling party platform in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, when I was 60. So I'm, yeah. I'm feeling, I'm seeing like uh, the scene from Fast Times at Ridgemont High where you like tumble out the door and smoke's Smoke blowing smoke. in all directions. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's what we always had Volkswagen vans growing up, and the best part of them. I, I don't. I don't remember if we ever thought they were cool, but I remember having a Blaupunk stereo and thinking that was the coolest thing because <laughs> those things were awesome. <laughs> and there's definitely a lot of people who get off of Garrett's bus, and the reason that they're on there was, you know, their parents had one when they were kids, or you know, they're yeah. There is v, like just simple VW bus lovers. Yeah, yeah. My husband loves them. I surprised him for his birthday. Right. Yeah. Simple as that. They don't even. They're not even, and, and they're no. not necessarily there for the wine. No, they're there. Plus, for you get to meet really cool wine people. That's a plus yeah. there. Oh, yeah, cool. Absolutely. Um, but Sam, how do you? So take people that are just out to do a tour for fun, for instance, and stop at your place. Right. But what is for you as a business owner that wants to sell wine? That's sort of a tough situation, right? It's got to be. You know. I, for for me, um, I you know, and maybe this is like my hippie millennialness or something. But I, my greatest success with a, a group that comes in like that is if they leave learning something. And they say it to us all the time. You know, I learned something today, and I'm like, great. You know, pay your twenty five dollars for the tasting, whatever it is. But if you learn something, that's that's for me a successful interaction. And and this happens with the Garrett tours. My my favorite thing to do and I, I did one it was they were vpns mm-hmm. and and they didn't know that zinfandel was a red grape i mean that was like their level of wine knowledge and if when i you know i'll, I'll i call my dad and be like i just converted another one where they they walk in they don't know that zinfandel is a red grape and they leave club members right. and and so if you focus on the educational side of it um of course the challenge with that is how to be educational without being you know condescending without talking down um and you know when somebody says they don't know that zinfandel is a a red grape it's really easy to be like well you know you're not to just sort of write that person off um because if they don't know that zinfandel is a red grape they're probably not wine buyers but they're on a they just spent money to be on a wine tour in a vw bus it's not like they're not broke and they're interested enough to do that because you could do a lot of things with that money and, and even in Sonoma you don't that has nothing to do with wine you could take that money and go on a biplane ride or a balloon ride or whatever you want to you know rent a Segway and drive around you know town um, but there obviously there's like some connection to wine so if, if you can uh, if educate and and you know when you're educating you're not making shit up because hopefully you're telling the truth or at least close enough um, uh, so for me, that's, you know, th- if they never buy, that's okay. If they leave having learned something, then it was accept- a successful tasting. And I think having that as the goal allows us to get past those those barriers yeah. and actually convert some of those people. Yeah. Garrett, are there other places like Sam's around? Um, I hope I'm going to go burn them down. I'm yeah, <laughs> you know, there's actually, list them and then we'll there's not. I mean, them. Sam's is a real special place. You walk, you, you uh, people like uh, ask all the time, does he live there? I'm like, <laughs> well, no, he doesn't live there. But you feel like you're walking into a house. I mean, that's that's the yeah, that's Sam's the place. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sam's place. Um, there there's there's other places that are small and like 
really comfy and cozy. Um, but Sam's is Sam's is interesting. I mean, it's always everyone's favorite stop, and um, I think that being comfortable is a huge part of it. Like you got to be comfortable when you taste wine. Um, I this is part of like when we did the um, VW bus wine tours. I kind of one of the things that I talk about is that just because people have always been doing it does not mean it's the correct way. Like just because people were driving people around in limos in the seventies and eighties, because this was some sort of luxury, um, lifestyle image in that limos were cool back then. Why are we still doing that now? Because limos aren't that anymore. And just because there's like, I, the thing that, I have nothing against platypus wine tours. I do have it that their windows are completely tinted. How do you come to Sonoma Napa Valley and you can't look out the windows? The most beautiful point about this whole entire, like has no one looked at this and went like, um, wait, hold on. We want our guests to be able to see the valley as we drive. Like who's, we're hiding them from, from who? Well, that's a very old concept. If you're a limo, it's so cool. And and people want to know who's in that limo. Well, I'm sorry. It's not like that anymore. It's not like that anymore. Maybe in the 70s. Maybe. Maybe the Rat Pack. And you wanted to hide what you were doing on the inside of the limo from the outside. Exactly right. right. You can't see in. It means that you think, you know. (laughs) There's, <laughs> there's so many things in the wine industry that are like that though. Like why are we, st- why is everyone still shouldering up at counters? Like just because you built that in 1984 and you just never changed it. Like, was that never a thing that you should change that? Because well, they are serving a market. I mean, you go into some of these places. I mean, I was, I picked up some stuff a few weeks ago at imagery right. around Christmas. It was packed yeah. five deep at the bar for an ounce, an ounce, an ounce. People going, what did we just taste what was that yeah. well how about the um i, I like um uh, they can't remember they no. don't know and they buy a little one of the one of the interesting questions i got actually from this v group of vpns say the place that they had been at before had different glasses for each wine that they were pouring different shapes different you know whether it sure. was chardonnay pinot noir whatever cabernet and and they asked me why they put it in different into different glasses and i you know i told them you know because different glasses uh make you know you're gonna highlight different aromas and flavors in the wine and you know some glasses work better with things but you come to 16600 i have one glass and it's a, a really nice glass but it's a you know it's a bordeaux i can't remember what it is right now stolzel or something and and the thing that drives me crazy about tasting rooms is that it's nothing like the way that you're going to drink that wine when you get it home, right? Right. It's like if you go test drive a car, you're going to try and drive the car in the way that you drive it on your car on a regular basis. If you go and taste wine, it should be as close to how that wine is going to be consumed at home. So you know, people aren't don't they don't have a chef who's going to perfectly pair every food to every wine. Um, you know, all those like perfect scrumptious morsels that pair exactly with your Pinot Noir or whatever. You're going to make like what's for dinner, you know, what's in the fridge and taco night, you know, and you should have wine that works with taco night. And most people don't have seven different shaped wine glasses in their, in their pantry. Right. So like, what's the, what, what's the point if wine tastes great out of your giant tulip bowl, but nobody has those when they get home, then 
then who cares? Um, so that's something that I, I, from the very beginning, I've always really tried to, to emphasize at 16600 is trying to make it as close to the experience that you have when you take that bottle home when you're drinking it and you're tasting the wine at, at 16600 because the worst thing that can happen is you love a wine at a winery, you buy it, you take it home, and it doesn't, you don't like it anymore. Well, you're sure you got a sale, but you're never going to see those people again. They're never coming back. They're never going to email and order more. Um, so that, uh, that's something that um, I well, feel it like goes along with what Tim Wallace said. You know, you have to create a real experience. It's right. genuine, right? And you guys have done it. I mean, Bart does it too, and a lot of other people around here, I think, are certainly trying to. I mean, I've had wine in barns that I enjoyed much more than wines in a big room. You know, right. I, I don't need, like Sam says, for me, if they're pairing food. It takes away from the wine. Yep. If they're talking about their glasses, it takes away from the wine. And I'm, I want to be comfortable when I'm, I'm tasting them. And I'm also a big back-to-back. I want to try one and then the other and back, back and forth. Right, the comparative. Just to taste and try. But I can't do that at some of these rooms. Right. I think, you know, I, I think that you just have to remember is that I feel like you're like you're selling memories. Right. right. When people get this shipment, when they there get this wine, when they open this bottle, you're selling that exact moment to them that they can close their eyes and be in the middle of the vineyard, be in the barrel room and go, oh, God, what an amazing trip. that! That's what you're selling. I mean, this is to the, the more novice wine drinker that's not just going to drink this and say i'm drinking this simply for the reason that it's exceptional that's one thing the other thing is for when you're with for vacationers for tourists you're selling that memory of being in that spot that they can relive that again when they open that wine yeah i think working in restaurants i was lucky enough and maybe a lot of service industry people are like this where we sort of get the vip treatment when we go places or i've had I've been at Lasseter and been drinking the wine and been walking through the vineyard in in the vineyard where those grapes came from. Um, one of my favorite memories was, I think, Barron's and Hitchcock, where we went as a staff for the Four Seasons. And it wasn't a professional setup. It was literally at the people's house. And they had to rinse out glasses in their garage. <laughs> and they invited us to go swimming in their pool. I mean, this is like the, one of my favorite memories. Did you wear from a swimsuit? Uh, none of us wore swimsuits, but he, it was, it was the husband and he wasn't asking most of the guys. He was asking the girls if they wanted to get in the pool, but, but you know, it's high quality wines and it wasn't, you know, I've been to Opus and you know, it's impressive to look at all the barrels and, and see that kind of stuff. But the the things that I remember are like, you're talking about Garrett, those sort of unique, um, one-on-one personal experiences that I had with, uh, with the people that are making the wine. You know, one of the things is... uh, there's so much good wine. Like it's not like maybe it was 25 years ago where there was really just a few producers who were doing a good job and everything else was kind of mediocre. At this point, you know, the technology has gotten such the the winemaking equipment, the farming is all improved by leaps and bounds. The it's not hard to find good wine. You know, even in even in Napa. <laughs> <laughs> you can even find good wine in Napa. I swear it's out there. Um, the good wine is there, so so that you know, a person who's drinking wine just because it's exceptional, they're going to find the things that they like, and they're going to keep buying it. The people who are here for the experience and to to travel and to learn are are going to connect to the stories because the the levels of quality are are 
smushed together more than they used to be. You know, everybody's going to produce something that's at least decent. And if you're not, you know, you're really, really missing the mark. Um, you know, there's people who obviously make better wine than others. You have better vineyards than others, better winemakers, better wineries. But um, the the quality has all risen. So now what, right? Yeah. Now if we're all making good enough wine, and I think we all could do better, and that's the goal is to do better every year. But if we're all making good wine, then then what are the differentiation points, you know? Price of admission right there. Yeah. Good wine. Good wine. If you don't have good wine, then who cares? And that, you know right. what, though? I think you're stretching a little. I think there's some pretty crappy wine around Oh, there is crappy wine I mean, out there. I didn't right. want to throw anybody I know, under but the I bus. will. I will. Right. You know, it's all okay. <laughs> yeah. Under the VW you know, bus. It's interesting, though, because it, there is uh, being here in Sonoma, but when the only place that you've been getting your alcohol from is MM, MGM Liquors for the last 15 years and you see the same lineup all the time all of this is better <laughs> even the bad stuff is better right. so you know you come here and i see it all the time people just drink oh my gosh this is this tastes so much different than it does all the wine all all of it i'm like i'm sure it does this yeah. is just better yeah. well and sam you guys are in a unique situation where i mean you're you have high quality wine high quality fruit but you guys, you've always done, you sort of always followed your heart right. in the business, which I don't think a lot of people start with. That was kind of like your starting yeah. point is, hey, we, we get great fruit. We can make great wine. And hey, we're kind of nice people who <laughs> like, like you said, like educating and like, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the bottom line isn't the first thing on your mind right. when people are coming in the door. And I don't know that that's necessarily true everywhere. Um, well, it, it was all those business classes that I took. Uh, I, I mean, thank you. Good thank you. Thank you, Brian. I did go to, I did go to uh, performing arts camp as a kid. So maybe that's what, maybe that's what it is. Um, but I, you know, I guess it comes back to where we started this conversation. What's like, when did being genuine and, and, um, doing, following your heart, making a product that you're passionate about and proud of, um, when was that not cool? Um, and you know, I, I think that that's maybe the big that the biggest challenge that people have when coming into the wine industry is like it's not just a tax sh shelter or anything, but a lot of people use it like that. It's not just a, a good investment. Um, y you gotta have a reason. You have to have something that you're passionate for. Just because. Uh, and, and the flip side is just because you're rich and successful in business doesn't mean that you're not going to have that passion. You know, you, I look at some of the clients that we have at Enterprise Vineyards, you know, Cayman is sort of the first one off the bat, but there's lots of others that um, are really passionate about, first and foremost, their vineyards and the places that they get to go and, and grow their grapes. And if you can't, if you don't get that one, I don't think any of the other ones matter uh, you know after if you don't have that first one if you don't have that foundation of this is the vineyard that I, you know this is the land that i own and i love and even if i wasn't making wine off of it i'd still want to be here um and i'd still want to you know farm something here and and make it the best i possibly could um 
then I don't know. I don't know where you go from there if you don't have that. When you almost forget that we have Sondra Bernstein sitting here. Those of yeah, you she's that like working <laughs> over here, <laughs> got emails, accounts. Well, and those of you that don't know, because Sondra, I'm going to ask you to weigh in on this because I think the girl in the fig is a, is sort of akin to Sam's tasting house in a way because when people go there, they don't just feel like they're going to a regular restaurant. They almost feel like they're in your house. You and it and the heart of the business has always come from you and the choices that you made, but where does that come from? So I think, and thank you, that's a huge, huge compliment. Um, and that For is, me too, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's the goal. I, I think that, and it's part of our training, letting staff know that, you know, there's 30, 40 restaurants in Sonoma, people could go anywhere, and if they're coming to us to spend their hard-earned money, that it's it's more than just a meal it's more than just a burger where's the meat from you know why is our burger what our burger is i mean all sorts of things like that but the biggest thing is that people look at someone you know in their eyes have that conversation really give a crap that they're actually came to the restaurant and i think that's huge and i i can tell you know all the reviews and yelp and TripAdvisor. i can tell when it trends the other way because staff is either really distracted or it's too slow and they you know slow is worse than busy i think but um but it's it's interesting and i definitely have had some of these arguments about you know everything should be Focus for the millennials. Like I thought I was going to do a minor remodel at the Fig um, in January, and I some of the conversations I had I had to stop because people are like, I don't think the millennials will like that. The millennials really like to do this, and I'm like, but I don't think the millennials are all the ones spending the money, and I don't, you know, the baby boomers and the people that you know, have traveled in their past and they're starting. And I do think wineries have a really hard conflict, especially there's more um, straight to the consumer and, you know, the retail model changes. And I think it's like you want to be there because you have to sell. You have something to sell. And the experience is huge. But if you're not selling and you just took an hour and a half of your time, then that's great, you know, but what's the point? And I I totally agree. I mean, Sonoma has shifted from winery only, get in the car, get on the road, go see these beautiful places to stop on the square, hit 30 at a time, get, you know, a little bit sloshed and nobody wants to carry the wine. Nobody wants to put it back in the car. And it's, it's a real quandary. Um, And I think, I think that you have created a great model. I think also part of the reason that I think you have a good amount of millennials that go to your tour company is it was genius. You were on Airbnb. And, you know, we're just us old people are just starting to understand what Airbnb is versus going to a hotel. So when you you were like the only one in Sonoma that actually had an experience. And I was like, God, he is so smart. Seriously, because it's like this is the crowd. But converting that to other people that don't mind spending the money uh, that want that same experience. But 
you know, I, I don't know that I want to ride in a VW bus. I don't think I'm going to be comfortable unless there's air conditioning blowing in my face. No air, but, no air conditioning. <laughs> you know, yeah. And so, yeah. but Wing I don't, windows. I wouldn't be comfortable in a limo either. You know, that right. wouldn't be my thing. So like understanding that divide of yeah. where that is. Um, well, and but, you said something at the very beginning that people kept saying, well, millennials aren't going to like this or this customer is not going to like that. And I, not to ever compare ourselves to Steve Jobs, but I'm about to. Um, <laughs> something that you, and you read the Steve Jobs biography and the thing that he hated the most was focus groups and people telling him what consumers wanted because that's not the he said, no, 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 no. no. We're going to tell the consumers what they want. Yep. We're we going to say those trends. we're going to start the trends and and if you go into your business whatever it is by going, well, this is what the people tell me that they want, it means that probably 30 other people got that same advice are going to do the exact same thing. So, you go in and be like, "Now, this is what I, what I think is right, what Sandra wants in this restaurant, what Garrett thinks is the right way to run right. a wine right. tour and Go out and, and find the customer that goes, oh, well, I hadn't thought about that. And that sounds well, like way better than what I had done before. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point. And, you know, we have a situation in town where a restaurant is closing because guests wanted something that they weren't giving. Right. And I think that's a really interesting thing. Like, where does it come into business where, you know, you get to create your business and do whatever you want to do. It's your money, it's your dream, it's your passion. And yeah, should you know a little bit about the studies? Should you know your demographics? Should you know um, who may be your clientele? Absolutely. But it's up to you. And if it doesn't work, that's the risk that you're going to have if it doesn't work. But if that's if, if that cookie cutter dream is not what your dream is, then, you know, why would you do it? Yeah, nothing's real at all then. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and I've never seen a restaurant come and go faster than that one. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it was a bing bing in and out. It's sad. I know it is. Yeah. It's, and there's a lot of people that, you know, a lot of employees and, you know, the chef and Shock, the kitchen staff. Um, and it's hard to... It's also like, well, give it some time. Yeah, it's hard Come to have on. a restaurant that you don't give Do a some year to. Yeah, right? How do you figure it out? If you run out of money, doesn't matter. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, you could you were could donate. The, were their <laughs> outreaches done? I mean, I heard a lot when they opened up, but nothing after that. Yeah, yeah so. tough. Uh, Gary, so, speaking every, of burgers and yeah. lots of entrepreneurial <laughs> ideas, let's let's dig into all the other things that Garrett's up to because, yeah, because it's, <laughs> and maybe like uh, a little bit of your background because we didn't really talk about that and we talked about you know yeah, when we played new soccer stardom. um so let's uh, oh yeah and, and you're like stardom. the most famous person in the room right now and that's oh, a room God. that has sandra bernstein in it so <laughs> that's yeah no she's okay, absolutely okay, come has on. <laughs> come come forward with this what's going on well let's where do you want to start gary we got um, let's start at like you're at a restaurant in mill valley or something or san rafael oh, okay right? well we um well let's actually start Let's start at the end. So I'm just a few weeks, hopefully, um, from opening up Knock on. West Handmade Burgers, which is a burger restaurant in Sonoma um, on Highway 12. And the, the more I, th I wanted to open a burger restaurant because I felt like I was filling a hole, like the fast casual um, hole of hamburgers, family friendly, beer and wine on tap. Um, hole in Sonoma, which we, I, I wanted that. There's plenty of places that have burgers. Some of them have amazing burgers, but I really wanted 
the one that you just go and get your burgers and fries with your two kids and you're in and out the door in 20 minutes. Um, and that's where it started. And then like all of my ideas start like that and then they get really complicated. <laughs> um, and so, and so I've from there have made awesome relationships with, um, ranches in Petaluma and, um, local farms here in town. And I'm trying to get, um, as much of my produce and all my meat from Stemple Creek Ranch in Petaluma. Um, and we're grinding it in house and it's, I, I'm looking at it now at an experiment. Like if you can have um, with cutting out a lot of distribution, if you can have uh, fresh organic food affordable and if that's possible and, and still pay rent and still pay rent. And that's going to be my mission. And if it can't be done, I want to figure out how it can be done because that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and so that's the burger place. We're making everything in house, the ketchup, we're having Sonoma Springs brewer beer and doing a bunch of fun stuff. Um, but the real, the, the, the story surrounding getting a incredibly fresh local burger for under, you know, from, for $9 is going to be what I'm trying to do. Um, through, the, the talking of the stardom, um, uh, Sandra, um, it's, um, I, I was reached out to by wine enthusiast a year and a half ago. Seems like it was right about when you started coming ago. to 16600. Yeah. <laughs> and we um, were much younger then, Gary. And they were like, God, you couldn't be more stereotypically California. You have a VW bus wine. It's make gagging, you know, VW bus wine tour company and you surf and you fish and you live in Sonoma. Um, a bear flag sticker on your yeah, land cruiser. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and, um, they're like, how good can you cook? And, um, I wrote him, kind of wrote him the long rambling story, like all my stories are. And, um, they wrote me back and said, Hey, you, we want to have, we're doing this big food and wine show. Um, and, uh, we're looking for a chef in North America and we'll get back to you. And a few months later they wrote back and said, Hey, you've been picked. Um, and so in, it's a three part docuseries that they're supposedly filming three more, but the, the first episode is in Uruguay, um, with, uh, Francis Malman. Is the chef and um, Alberto Antonini is the winemaker, and the second one is Laura Catena, and this uh, chef is Deborah De Corrales, and the third episode is myself and Joseph Brinkley from Bonterra. Wow! Um, and it's a pretty fun show, and it's, we it's beautiful. First awesome. of all, it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And um, yeah, the production company is uh, uh, guys out of actually out of Tahoe um, called Wine Ram Productions. They're up in the valley a lot, doing like um, videos and um, kind of commercials for wineries around here. And then they got this amazing you know, actual you know full series show, and um, they did an incredible job. It's glossy, and um, yeah, glossy, glossy, glossy. I, I like that one. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the show's really fun, and it's just kind of is a love letter to Northern California. Um, Lots of talks about tons of biodynamic farming with Joseph. We hung out for a couple of weeks and he, we went surfing together and fishing together and ate really California stuff like fish tacos and burgers. And it was, yeah, those fish tacos looked really, yeah, they yeah, were those good. Those fish tacos <laughs> looked really good. Uh, and you can find that on Amazon Prime? Amazon Prime, yeah. yeah. So it's on Amazon Prime right now. And it starts with wine. It starts with wine. Um, pretty cool. 
So, yeah. Well, and then Sandra was, you know, when I mentioned to Sandra that Garrett was coming on the show and I thought we were just going to talk about the tours, she said, oh, you guys going to talk about the, the white dinners? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you don't know. He's the guy that started that. I was like, are you kidding me? I had no clue. <laughs> yeah. So, so we st- the white dinners. And I, I always, um, in 2011, that's a pretty wild story. Um, there was, I, I read an article in the New York Times um, about Dinier and Blanc dinner in white. I, my French is terrible. Sorry. Sorry. Um, it's not like you're hanging out <laughs> with anybody. <laughs> and, um, and I, I, I was, I, was partnered into a little diner down in San Anselmo. I was the head chef at this place called Bubba's Diner. And um, I was cooking there every day. And Nicole was eight months pregnant. And I wanted to kind of make, I was 26 years old. And I was like, I want to make the first kind of like run with the big boys in San Francisco. Like I needed to think of something. And I was reading the New York Times and I saw an article. And I was like, I want to do the first about this huge pop-up dinner that they had in front of the Louvre in Paris. And there was 14,000 people eating in all white. And I just looked at the picture. I don't even know if I read the article. And I said, whatever that this is, I need to do it here in San Francisco. It's such a care thing. I didn't actually, I just looked at the pictures. Uh, I was like, and then- <laughs> whoa, cool. Um, and so... Uh, the pictures were glossy. Yeah, in 2011, we did our first event in San Francisco. Nicole, my partner in life and everything, um, was I we say two babies were born that night I was talking about it on, in the delivery room I'm like I saw this this morning and we need to do it and she's like who's gonna come and they so the idea is you bring all your own your all your own food and wine everyone dresses in white it's a secret location until the day of and um and you come and it's a big community event and the the beauty of it is in the enormity because thousands of people come and it's just a really nice evening how do you do that logistically? How do you find a spot and then you just rent tables and chairs yes. and all that stuff? So, Found yeah. Pinterest. Yep. <laughs> so it was, we, well, the first year was the most fun because we had no idea what we were doing. So I. Where, where was the first year? It was in the music concourse between the De Young and the Science Museum. Wow. And we caught like the only, the, I think probably the only 78 degree night in San Francisco. It was just in insane. History. We lucked out. And, um, and we had, uh, the Chronicle wrote about it. I wrote them no press release. This is, this is a talk about authenticity, no press release. Absolutely. No, no one behind it. Hi, my name's Garrett and I work in a diner in San Anselmo and I want to do the big, a first massive pop-up dinner in San Francisco. A week later, we got 14,000 RSVPs, which also kind of like curated the most like cutting edge food and wine lovers list of San Francisco. And they wrote about it and we sold out tickets in like 12 seconds for $10 a piece. So we had $37,000 come in. The event cost $48,000. I had a, we had a one year old. I was never been in more trouble. We were like, couldn't pay vendors. It was just like a night. One of the worst ideas at the time I ever had. I'm like, that was a terrible idea. I'm really sorry. Um, then Nicole was Nicole. And this is very Nicole. She's like, I want to make this a business. And so we sold tickets for the next October, uh, six weeks after the first event. And we sold 5,000 tickets for $35 a piece. And Acura sponsored us. And Smartwater sponsored us. And Netflix sponsored Cha-ching. us. Cha-ching. You got it. And then from then, um, we've thrown like 52 events across the country. Doing Brooklyn and Minneapolis. And we did went on a, a few year run with Acura. Where we did Dallas and Charleston and um, 
Chicago. And so that, that company, when we, when I was 26, 27, 28 was, and we had two kids. Now we have another one year old at home and we're tired. We're done. We're old. (laughs) (laughs) I feel it, you know? And so when we, so we do large events in Brooklyn. Um, it's like 6,000 people a year. They're huge. They make me anxiety ridden. I used to just go and drink and party at them and like have fun. Now I just sit in like a car and like can't wait for them to get over. Like they stress me out. Um, I'm just getting older. <laughs> I'm like, gotta, oh, they got to get off that, that table. Man, you know? I used to be like on that table. Now I'm like, they need to get off the table. <laughs> like I, I need to get parents, out of man. this business. And, um, so we wanted to start local companies, and that's when we we shifted into the burger restaurant and the wine tours. That said, we still do eight of the events a year: San wow. Francisco, Los Angeles, Minneapolis. Yeah, and it's cool that everyone dresses Sonoma. In white. There's a Sonoma like, one too. So this, yeah. yeah, the Sonoma one is actually really picking up steam so much that I think we sort of like split our crowd in half in San Francisco, and people are like, "I'm done freezing in the city. I'm going to come up for the weekend." And because I see tons of San Francisco people there, I'm like. Are you going to the one in SF? They're like, no, it's way too cold. <laughs> so I think we, I don't know if that's where we met, really, but the year that it was at Cornerstone. It's the first year in, San, in Sonoma. In Sonoma, yep. we did the food. Yep, I remember um, I don't think we were the only one. I mean, people brought their food, but, no, but if they did we sold the baskets, we which sold we did for a long time. We had you here. We did like over 100 baskets. Yep, we had you here, and we had flour and water, flour right. and water flour, in the city. It was very yep. complimentary company. Yeah, it was fantastic. And it was really fun, and I remember we had our own table for about um, tucked in. I got to pick our spot yep. first since we were setting up. And um, we just did this beautiful, I mean, the coolest part about it is people get to be creative and they can design their table. I mean, the only thing I don't like about it is I look terrible in white. It needs to be the black part. I don't, I don't eat food I and like, wear white clothes. I, like, I don't exactly. have anything like, in white. I had to yeah. order all oh, these I white shouldn't have clothes. done the beet salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's just the most beautiful night and it's so cool. Yeah. It's such a great community event, but I can imagine there's some really um, expenses that you just don't expect. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's, but so clever, so creative. When people would always, I remember for like the week leading up to it, everyone was like, the rumors were flying. Where is it going to be? Well, this place, you know, has a lot of space, but I don't know if they could get tables in there. And everyone was kind of like wondering where it was. So the buzz started, you know, days before the actual event. Yeah. And I remember that, Sondra. That's right. When we did some of the baskets. And we did some fun ones here. We did Cornerstone, uh, the bear, uh, right next to the barracks, the, um, the uh, Casa Grande. And um, Jack London State Park, I love just because it's amazing. In the ruins? In the ruins. That's that's incredible. And I think we've done it there twice and then the other two or three. But we have, um, we're working on a spot right now for this year. But it should be fun. And the thing about, are you like an Instagram genius? Because really that's what, I mean... The, at the, the time at, when it started, it, it was, was pre-Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, and Facebook. And it was also a really interesting time in social media because it was Facebook only. And it's the same year that Tough Mudder started. The color run started oh, right. all these like kind of big Instagram. I mean, Facebook spreading events. And we just it like honestly went viral. Right. I've never seen like it, it was just wild to see happen. Um, 
And the Instagram, you know, I mean, with the wine tours now, we get a ton of business through Instagram. Because right. um, the buses look good. Buses, buses look good look in good. square photos. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, um, yeah, we've learned a ton along the way. I wish I could do it all again. Um, but really? <laughs> <laughs> just a little differently. You would have done five yeah, events and then yeah. retired if you could exactly. do it all over. Yeah. Would you want to play Oracle for a minute? I mean, we've we've gone from, you know, five deep or we've gone from the barn to five deep at the tasting counter to Sam. What's the next thing? So the next thing was experiences. And everyone's catching up to that now. What I firmly believe and I'm, is adventures is the next thing. And it's extremely curated weekend adventures. And I have some ideas about that that I'm really excited about. But that I feel is we've the experiences is the toe in the water and the adventure is the the experience on steroids and it's and it's uh a little more expensive or maybe it's just your whole trip is is this thing but um it's to introduce people to the entire area doing doing adventure what do you think in, things. in terms of adventures um every, the, the thing with all my ideas is is that people have to play along because I don't have any land or any money or really anything. Actually, it starts I with have, Nicole has to yeah, play along, exactly. right? And then go First there. Nicole. Um, but I have, you know, these to be able to, and it's just the money has to crunch. But what I, what I dream about is um, picking people up in the Volkswagen, sure, at 10 in the morning. And the first place we're going is... We're all, you know, walking up a hill through the vineyards and there's an ama- there's there's a table and there's amazing, amazing brunch that overlooks the valley. And we're there for four hours. Yep. No one wants to move from that. Yep. And then from there, it's some hands on thing. It's back to the hotel. The next morning we're on the coast and um, we everything is curated for Instagram because that that is important. Like that's a lot of the a lot of the wine tours is we there's certain spots that we're always like, do you guys want to take a picture there? Everyone wants to take a picture there, and so that's the whole thing is kind of set up to to to, to cater that. Um, I know people are doing kind of the really high end, fancy, fancy, fancy trips, and I, I. That's not my clientele. So I'm trying to figure out. It's just not your style in general. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out also a venue to have to kind of have them at. If that's, you know, um, there's the Airstream awesome places like that. Something similar to that. Like, I would love to be able to do a venue that's a home for the adventure, like, kind of category. um, And take take care of people's whole trip, I guess. Have you ever been across the street from here over at Sonoma Broadway Farm? Uh, a ton. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so Preston's been incredible to, actually, to my little girl's school. I always get tons of food donated to all their stuff. And then Jerome, who's farming it all, is doing lots of the food for, um, lots of the food for the restaurant. And uh, he's, he's our age. We grew up with him. Yeah. Um, but Sonoma High, 2001. Yep. Um, which is what you would have been also. I'm going to connect you with a friend of mine who is working on a very cool 
camper camper park sleepover with a bar awesome i'm gonna do that yes the thing i've i always have this sort of like tom sawyer-esque dream of um you know tom sawyer the the i love the scene that where tom sawyer has to whitewash the fence and some of the other, like kids in the town start coming by and he convinces them that what he's doing is so cool that they want to do it and they pay him to do his chores for them. I want um, people to come pick grapes. Yeah. You know, like if you want to like have that adventure, um, we'll put you to work in the winery. We'll, you know, you can put the little wax caps on the tops of my bottles. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a little like there's the I, I, I've and always identified with it. Tom Sawyer, but you know, if you want to dig into like how this all happens, um, you know, they could do take dishes the flip flops off the, and at the fair. Yeah, that, there you go. That is, that is I've good. done <laughs> I've done dishes before. I have not picked grapes. <laughs> oh, yeah. but I, I pay. To eat at the girl in the thing. Right. I, I, I might do the back office too. I don't know. <laughs> you do not want to do dishes at the fig. I guarantee you. <laughs> I, I see John Wilson going through so many glasses at the yeah. at the front desk. You know, I mean, at the bar. It's just well, we are going to be doing our own dishes here today at the own room. That's fine with right. me. I'm I'm all cool with that. You know, um, ultimately, you have to think about this as research. Your manifesto. All right. We know a woman named Kathy Huhey. Do you know her? No, out of, that's uh, another good connection for her. Yeah, it really is because she is data mining from much larger uh, situations, retail, distribution, and at winery level. Who's who's drinking? Who's not? Why not? Why? How can they? Etc. And I'm I'm not so much sure. Analytics. Analytics is her company, yeah. right? Out of Atlanta. Um, so. If you marry that with her model, your manifesto would be extremely interesting to her, I would yeah, imagine. I think so too. And it's exactly what we talked about with her yeah. uh, last fall. Yeah. It's she, on she, Grenache Day. She yeah. does want information on the smaller wines, and exactly what you've written would be extremely good for her. Cool. Yeah. We'll get that to her. Yeah. Kathy, I, if you're listening, it's on your she, way. She does. Yeah. She listens I, to to get back. You know, I, I picture a date. In Sonoma, and this sounds crazy, but being in vineyards but never being in a winery, but having the characters along the way, like having having two planks of wood over two barrels in three different spots. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's maybe, a good thing. Yeah. Maybe one of the ways is to, in that package, is make it a little more expensive even mm-hmm. and include the wines. Completely. And so people are automatically, you get it. It's not right. even an option. You get or, the six or you bottles. Get, or you right. get the one-year membership paid in advance, and the wines show up at your door. And that's a good way to make the wineries interested. Right. Yeah, and right. you don't As have, you don't have to find a uh, UPS <laughs> store that won't send wine that. anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a whole other... Well, I guess FedEx does still. I, I actually... Want, I was thinking about this today. We're gonna, I'm going to find somebody from like the winery shipping compliance world to have on to the... To have this conversation about why you can't get wine shipped home to Wait, you, so we can stick them in the trunk and drive them out in the middle of the yeah, exactly, <laughs> totally. I don't think Scotty <laughs> wants office, to another we'll office space another one <laughs> and another one. Um, yeah. like, a little like Goodfellas with a baseball bat. Um, no, because that's a whole other. There's a we could do an entire podcast like series on 
wine shipping. But really, if you can't get, don't do it. Just don't do it. Uh, if you can't get wine shipped to you, or you can't find the wine that you like in your home state, the first person to blame is the large distributors. And then you can, and then we can go from there to you know lobbyists and legislators and stuff. But it's the it's the two giant distributors that control eighty percent of the wine in this country that um, are driving that whole. And it's, you know, it's changes basically every day. I have to like figure out and make sure I can still ship to the places that I ship to. I thought that had gone away. Yeah. You know, we thought that we had taken care of it with the Supreme Court decision like 15 years ago. One would think. Yeah, but it's still we're still working on it. Oh, that's right. You got to drink beer. And now if you're justice, not wine. (laughs) With squee. Uh, Gary, you know, a real compliment. We're well over an hour. And the easier and the better the interview is. The less we notice the time, it just flies. And it's, it's been such a great interview. It's Thanks. very, very appreciated. I know everybody else is going to like it, too. So. What, are the, what are some of the best ways to get a hold of you and follow? What's the hashtag, the, the Instagram handles, and how do we? How do people get on the VW There's bus? All and, too many. Uh, West yeah. Wine Tours. West Wine Tours. West Wine Tours is, is our, uh, our Insta for the wine tours. Handmade Events is the events. West Handmade Burgers is for the burgers. Um, don't forget, the, you have your own account. I don't. I, like, yeah, yeah. And then there's my personal one, and then there's Nicole's. Um, well, you're yeah. in my neighborhood with the burger place, so I'm I'm waiting. That yep, should be very cool. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be. It's yeah, when be is when? Wait. What's projected I, opening? I, I honestly don't know. Is it up to like I, permits I, and all that kind of stuff at this point? Yes. Okay. Completely. Okay. In 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 ugly permit stuff so. how did cody binkley make it through all that crap because they they held him up for a couple of years opening burgers uh, and i pie. mean it was a lot of the same crap uh and dealing with taking an old building and you know the making it and nice. cody you know with with burgers and vine and whatever their new edition is uh um that building had been empty for a long time. With the same kind of goes with with Garrett's spot, and and in Sonoma, if you take over a place and just take over and day one open the door and keep doing what was going on there before, um, you're probably in a better position than yeah. doing it the right way, which is hard stop, clean it out, start from scratch. Then you like trigger all of these other um, hmm. levels of permitting and fixing things Punitive and getting it permitting. back to it is it's and it's also you know it makes it for the most expensive permitting on the planet because not only do you have to pay for all the the improvements and the permits but you have to have two years rent in the bank to to make it through that so it's it's kind of a, you know I, I um, don't envy any of these folks who are trying to open a restaurant in Sonoma. Uh, I just like the fact that Cody flew the pirate flag. <laughs> yeah. And well, that might have been Carlo, too, who, it, has a, it, who has a thing for rum. So. Well, but on the other hand, you know, it created such a stir with the city council. How dare he? Oh, man, forget it. You guys yeah. held him up for that long? Yeah, Let him do it. Fly whatever yeah. flag he wants yeah, Absolutely. To. <laughs> Let your freak flag fly, baby. Salute <laughs> on it. Yeah. Well, Brian. I... Uh, I just want to say thanks um, to Garrett. I think what you're doing is cool. I think you're on the right track. Yeah. I haven't read your entire five-page, um, all your thoughts, but but I like where... I'm going to send uh, it to you. Okay. Yeah, it just has yeah. like spelling errors and typos. I'm working that's on how that. I work on things. I okay. send it to Sam. <laughs> I'm like, can you edit this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's Before a good we editor. actually show real people. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, are we doing shout outs right now? Yeah, go yep. for it. I got a shout out to um, a group of people in Honolulu. Uh, Vanessa emailed me from Honolulu. She heard about the, the kosher rosé, uh, 100% Grenache. It's going to be big. From Napa Valley. Uh, made with my buddy Braden Albrecht up at Mayakamas, uh, mostly into Magnum. Um, and she heard about it, and she wants to get as much of it over to Hawaii as is you know feasibly reasonable because shipping to Hawaii is expensive. It's a good place uh, to drink rosé, though. Yeah, she's like, uh, we have Shabbat dinner by the in the cabana by the pool in Honolulu. I was like, I'm gonna personally deliver your wine to you, and I'm probably gonna stay a week just so you know. So a shout out to her. Thank you for uh, thanks for listening, and we'll get that rosé. I got to get it in bottle, and then we'll get it to Hawaii. Nice. I'm not gonna send a barrel. I applaud. You putting that in the magnums? What a you great know, move! We're gonna do a ton of we're doing a ton of rosé this year, the sixteen six hundred, the sixteen six hundred kosher, and the combi project, and and as much as we can figure out to put into magnums, we are uh, because nothing is like more fun than drinking rosé out of a magnum, you know, all day long. It's only two bottles. Um, who doesn't drink two bottles of rosé when they right. Open, right? If you open yeah. one, you open another one. Yeah, so you might as well just open a magnum. Yep. I like that thought process. So. Yeah. This is why. <laughs> Two bottles get, a day. We it's get all we along ask. so we well. Ask. So well. <laughs> Sandra, any last words this afternoon? No, thanks for letting me sit in. That well, was fun. Absolutely. Well, Garrett, guys, thank you cool. so much. Thank you Subscribe to The Bite Goes On. That's I was going to say, uh, Sandra and I are, are doing a podcast about food called The The Bite Goes On. We're actually going to be recording an episode um, coming up right after this. We've got Lacey Sandoval from um, Wind and Rye Kitchen over in Pengrove, sort of a neighbor of mine. So we're excited about that. And um, But you can hit us up on Instagram at Bite Talk or we are on the same Radio Misfits Podcast Network. There you go. Dot com. <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> An old friend of mine, Kevin Matthews. Is that who's doing that yeah, voice? Crazy guy. Yep. He, you know, he was really big in Chicago radio uh, for a long time. Now he's back in Grand Rapids, having a good time. Even better now. He yeah. should be announcing wrestling. I think he probably does. <laughs> you know, he has um, a mental sidekick, Jim. Jim Shorts. And he has been doing gym shorts. Wait a minute. He has been doing gym <laughs> in a very real, very realistic fashion for thirty some years, huh. and he's he's insane. You know that. Yeah. I mean, totally. And um, <clears throat> but to listen to his show, there are always two people on the show. Whether well, no matter how many microphones tell. are in the room. Wow. No, absolutely. There's only one there. So hysterical. Jim Shorts. Jim Shorts. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, well, okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next week. And, hey, stay tuned for uh, The Bite Goes On. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye.